Cisco is out with its 2019 Data Privacy Benchmark Study. What are some of the highlights of that report? Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm speaking today with Michelle Dennity. She's the Chief Privacy Officer with Cisco. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Tom. Great to talk to you as always. This is your second annual privacy benchmark study. We had the opportunity to talk about the first one a year ago. What do you find to be most different about this year's results? Well, I think the interesting thing is that although we're seeing a shortened delay, we're seeing about 3.9 weeks versus about eight weeks of delay when sales delays are, are concerned, we're still seeing lots and lots of companies who are not yet quite up to speed with GDPR readiness. We're seeing about 59% saying, woohoo, we're GDPR, we've crossed the line. 29% ready to be in about a year, 9% over a year, even though the enforcement deadline has come and gone May 25th of last year in 2018, and only 3%, and this is a global sample, 3,000 customers globally, 3% only say that GDPR doesn't apply to them wherever they are on the planet. It's pretty amazing. 97% of the world is covered by a regional law in GDPR. That's, that's pretty amazing stuff. Michelle, I want to dive into each of these topics with you and start with GDPR. When we sat down a year ago, it was in advance of that May 25th deadline. And as I recall, you were recommending that, that people stock up on Depends and Xanax was the quote. I thought that was fair. If they, you were a month out from GDPR and you weren't compliant, that was kind of the only thing you could do. I, I hope people took my sound advice. So how do you read the impact of GDPR a year later on the EU as well as non-EU enterprises in regions? So here's my point of view, and you, and you and I have known each other long enough, Tom, that you realize I am a ridiculously optimistic person in this area. <laughs> you can't really do my job and not be optimistic. However, I think I've got some well-founded data for my optimism in this study. Yes, the fines are huge. 4% of your revenue, not profit, revenue worldwide is as a possible outlier restriction and, and penalty. We've not yet seen the eye-watering um, consequences and fines yet because a lot of the, the breaches that are being addressed right now happen before the compliance deadline. So yeah, that's scary, that's downside. But what we're seeing is these companies that have already put the investment in getting ready for not just GDPR, but GDPR and rest of world or GDPR row, if you will, they are seeing an improvement in their shortened sales cycles where you have questions about security or privacy. I call that sales friction or a sales delay. And we start counting the clock as soon as a customer says, I've got a problem with security or privacy. And then we put the flag down once that issue has been resolved. Last year, we saw about two months delay. Now we're seeing about a month and a week delay on average. That's a, that's a shorter delay. Part of that, and I think, you know, you have to think about a survey and its limitations, right? So causation correlation, but we have at least the correlated response that now that we've gotten awareness about data and data hygiene, data controls, we're seeing a 
shorter period of time taken to closing those deals. We're seeing folks that report that they are GDPR ready and GDPR rest of the world ready. They are looking at a lower impact of breaches, 74% witnessing reportable breaches versus 89% of those that are looking out over a year to be compliant are seeing and recognizing breaches. We're seeing the loss when you do have a breach to be less. We're seeing shorter system downtimes and faster getting back up times if you've taken the time and effort to not just be compliant, but really look at the investment in data as you're getting ready for GDPR and rest of world compliance, and now take it to the next level. Take that business and say, not only is good privacy good for compliance, good privacy is good for business. Michelle, let's talk about that sales friction a bit. You've got two years worth of data here. How do you see customers' privacy concerns really impacting the bottom line? And what's the significance of the needle having moved in terms of that sales cycle? Well, I think if you really kind of double-click down and, and get really interested in how companies make their money and think about the day in the life of the salesman or saleswoman. And you think about once you've gotten to yes, so I'm selling a data enriched service or I'm selling some sort of an IT tool or I'm selling some sort of a third party service that helps you with customers or employees and data is implicated in some way. I've gotten to yes, I'm so excited. I'm a sales guy and they wanna buy my stuff, whoopee. Now you go back to corporate and you say, guess what? Company X wants to buy my widget. So exciting, but they've got this question. Now, imagine where you were a year ago, eight weeks later, you've already heard your yes. Can you imagine that salesperson checking in on corporate every morning, do we have a deal? Calling their customer, do we have a deal? What's going on, what's going on? You've got two months where your competitor has time to get in the door and prove something better, faster, smarter, compete with you on cost. And then you've got to look at the corporate. What if, what if that sales individual is multiplied now across geography, across time, across gravity? Now you've got a lot of noise in the system and what you're not doing is selling. What you're not doing is innovating. What you're not doing is answering new and interesting questions. You're re-looping again and again over the old things that you should already know. So when I see an increase in closing of business based on clarity of information flows, on accountability in executives, on measuring and metricing the third parties that are going in and out of your system and how their contract language has been updated, I smell innovation, dollars, improvement. And we've got the numbers to show 97% of our respondents said that they were seeing not only compliance improvements, but auxiliary improvements in terms of agility and innovation and focus that they were not seeing before when they were just caught up on a treadmill, not being really sure how to answer these questions. So, Michelle, given those metrics, how do you talk about ROI? In other words, what do you see organizations deriving from their investments in privacy? So I think that's part of the reason that we want to continue publishing this study. I wish that there was that Grace Hopper metric that said the data goes on the corporate balance sheet because it's more valuable than hardware. We still don't have that ephemeral asset, but I think 
part of redoing the survey and doing a couple of other surveys where we're actually sitting down with customers rather than doing double blind methodology, uh, as in this, this study, we're starting to derive those models of ROI that says, maybe you don't have a linear path of spend this dollar on this security thing and get this business outcome. But when you spend the money getting from an ad hoc system of data governance and you get up to even a level three, which is a mid-level tier from zero to five is the scale. So even at a three, you're seeing about an 80% predictive improvement in performance. That's a big jump. And it's about as quantified as we can get today we're going to continue on the hunt for metrics to figure out how do we make this a little more uh, causative in nature so we really understand those levers. Right now, we have a very strong correlation. It's the third time we've done the study, second time we've published because the numbers were stro so strong in year one, quite honestly, we weren't sure if we could trust them. We weren't sure if it was somehow we were leading the witness, et cetera. So even in the way that we're redoing the study, we're starting to think more about how could this be gamed? Are there more than one answer for each organization, et cetera? So we're going to focus on quality. We're going to focus on clarity. And we're going to keep studying this until we can figure out really what is that, that elusive ROI for data, privacy, and security. But we know it's in there. We're seeing it in there. We're witnessing this in front of our very eyes that we're going to get that information on the corporate balance sheet. We've talked now for the past decade or more about security being as a competitive differentiator for enterprises. Do you find that privacy is there now, too? Is it a competitive edge? Uh, you know, as you know, I'm deeply biased, and I will put my privacy glasses on all day long. <laughs> but I have to say yes, and I think this data shows two-thirds of the companies out there are saying that privacy is a competitive differentiator. I think we're going to start to see, especially in places like the over-the-tops, you know, the social media companies, the service providers, the, the direct consumer businesses, the people have spoken. They've spoken through their legislatures, through things like GDPR. There's a push in the U.S. for U.S. legislation on an omnibus level for, for privacy controls and regulations. There's more and more enforcement coming out of the Federal Trade Commission, Australia, New Zealand, on and on and on it goes. The people have spoken. They want their privacy. They want it now, and they want to understand where and what and how and by whom. They want more transparency. They want ethics to go into this and decide what makes sense for them as employees, as, as consumers, as citizens. So I really do see that providing privacy, and you see it in the study as well, some people who have invested up front to get ready for GDPR and feel pretty comfortable, they're already seeing the results. They're seeing faster and more efficient sales. They're seeing more agility. They're seeing more ability to innovate with data because they have control over that asset. I think we're going we're to continue to see those trends and the companies that invest in data curation, in data quality, they're going to see those profits, that sustainability, and the survivability in a market that is very, very volatile. You're going to see more resilience out of those markets. So, Michelle, it strikes me that GDPR started the conversation. In the past year, we've seen privacy legislation arise in other geographies and even in your home state of California. What are the privacy trends you're most going to be tracking in 2019? Yeah, it's such a good question. I think the, the race is on in the U.S. Will we have a federal bill that holds water? 
I don't, you know, just predicting as a private citizen um, who has a, a little bit of an interest in this area, uh, I will probably guess that we won't get a, a, a working and functional bill in, in the next, in this Congress, but it's coming. We definitely will see competing drafts. We already have, I think, three dropped just today in bills in the U.S. I think the issues there are going to be preemption. They're going to be breadth, scale. Are they going to have a fining schema as robust as we're seeing in the European theaters? Or are they going to go to more of an insurance-like schema as we're seeing popping up in New Zealand, where it's not necessarily a harm-based or a tort-based um, harm-based system, but more like if you are damaged by this type of a data incident or in New Zealand, even a car incident, a true tort law, um, you will receive compensation. So there's a lot of new types of models in the market. And I think that's what we're going to see is how do we want to handle this as a culture? How do we interface between Western sensibilities of harm-based control-based, consent-based versus more Eastern models of collective notions. And on top of all of that, to make it just exciting in case you and I were starting to fall asleep on the job, we've got artificial intelligence and machine learning and IoT on steroids. So a lot of new technology, a lot of new disruption in the market economically, some of the old players really in jeopardy, a lot of new players on the playing field, and a lot of data connecting all of it. And the winners on this on this field are going to be the ones that cultivate, that curate, protect, and make sure that everything is designed with privacy and ethics. We've been talking about the Cisco 2019 Data Privacy Benchmark Study. I've been speaking with Michelle Dennedy. She's Chief Privacy Officer with Cisco. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.